0: woodside bible church we gather each week to pursue god by studying his word together today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what god's word has for us today yes church hallelujah that jesus is risen come on let's give him praise let's get excited that we have life because of him I don't know about you, but if that song doesn't get to you, I don't know if you've really encountered his mercy. I don't know if you've really encountered his provision. Hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. Let's let's bless God for our worship team leading us to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you. You may be seated, church. We're back in church on Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A year ago, we weren't here. So I think that singing these songs is all the sweeter that we get to be here together, hearing our brothers and sisters sing side by side, one to another. Uh, At this time after our worship, any kids that need to go to kids' ministry, any kids that want to go to kids' ministry, let's give them a round of applause as they make their way to kids' ministry. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on. We got to praise our children. They got to know how loved they are. Amen. Amen. Speaking of children, Just over a year ago in March, we had, uh, you know, the first stay at home order uh, was, was issued and, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do with all this time that's on my hands? So, you know, I got a bright idea, I thought it was a great idea that I would build a fire pit in my backyard. So we had some leftover bricks, you know, so I'm gathering the bricks and I told Rachel, I'm like, just stay inside, honey, I'll take the boys out, I'm going to be a good husband, I'm going to build you something, I'm going to be a real man. Right. I'm gonna take my boys out there, we'll play in the backyard, we'll play in the garage, it'll it'll be great. So talked to the boys. I said, dad's going to be doing this. I'm going to be hauling these bricks from here to here. You guys can play in the backyard. You can play in the garage. Uh, the woman we bought the house from uh, a couple years ago, she, she had put a, a gate in front of the driveway as well. So I closed the gate. I'm like, you guys can just play. Have fun. Everything's in the fence. You know, go ahead, have fun. Um, and then I made this grave mistake that probably many a father has made. Mothers don't make this mistake. You guys are much smarter than we are. Uh, I said to my four-year-old at the time, Uh, about his 13-month-old brother, watch your brother. And he said, okay. So I was like, all right, we're good. I'm going to build this fire pit. It's going to be great. So we're building the fire pit, moving the bricks. The boys are playing. I hear them laughing, having a bunch of fun. Balls are flying from the garage through the backyard. It's just a great spring day. Uh, And then Ezra, my my then four-year-old at the time, he comes up to me. Uh, and he's just kind of talking with me, you know, watching me build stuff, asking when I'm gonna be done, when can we play together. And I'm like, oh, it won't be long, don't worry, you know. And I ask him, where's Judah? And he gives me the perfect four-year-old answer. Any moms want to take a shot at it? I don't, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? <laughs> I don't know where he is. He's your son. <laughs> so he just says, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, all right, you know, we'll get up. I brush my hands off. Uh, look in the backyard. Look around the garage. I don't see him anywhere. I'm, you know, looking through stuff in the garage. Don't see him, uh, and say Judah. Nothing, and then Judah. Nothing. So then I go to the house and I'm. I say, Hey, Rach, is is Judah in here with you? And if you you know this answer again, mothers, you know this answer. No. Like, did you lose my child? <laughs> is what I. That's all. All this comes on me so at that moment this spring day where I'm building this fire pit hanging out with my sons outside I start to sweat I start to get a little nervous I start to think oh no where where is he so so my my calm calls of Judah turned into Judah like Judah where are you I'm looking around the yard and I go to the front yard and I look I'm like the gate's still closed uh, it was too heavy for him to move it, so he definitely did get out of the yard. So I'm looking around. I go in the field in the backyard. I'm looking around. I'm at this point. I'm I'm sprinting. I'm, I'm 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 erratic. I can't find him. And then, if you know anything about Pontiac, and I will put my street against any street in Pontiac. I don't care who you are. People drive faster on Kettering Avenue by the Newmans than they do anywhere else on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn knows. Come on, we're neighbors. You know, right? uh it's the indianapolis 500 in front of my house right i've called the i've called the sheriff's department a number of times i'm like we could pay for a whole squad with the tickets you write on the street because there's kids right that's what's going through my mind i'm like oh no i so my, my heart drops and i was like i would have heard it if he got hit by a car so I'm, I'm now thinking my child's dead he's gone so i run out to the the front yard and i open the gate i'm like, Judah looking under cars, looking in the neighbor's yards. I'm like, Judah, where are you? And I'm, I'm horrified now. I'm crying at this point because I lost my child. And then I see him across the street. I don't know how he got across the street and didn't get hit by God's grace alone. And I see him and I run over to him and a man says, is this your baby? I'm like, yeah, that's my baby. Like how many other big-headed, bald, white boys, you know, run around like, yeah, this is my child, right? Look, look at us. This is my baby, right? Uh, And I pick him up. I just hug him. And I kiss him. I put my hand on his head. My heart rate slows down. I stop sweating. And his presence with me made all the difference. That's all I needed. Life was restored back to the way it was supposed to be. Because I had him with me. This moment in my life reminds me of something... Uh, on this unforgettable morning when somebody was missing and they didn't have him anymore they didn't have his presence anymore and I think that if you're a parent uh, especially but anybody at some point you're going to come face to face with the realization of that feeling of what it's like when this person is not around anymore of what it's like when this person who is so important and meant the world to us is not with us anymore most of us have faced that but I don't know how many of us can actually understand how the disciples must have felt on Sunday morning, on Saturday when it was silent, replaying the crucifixion over and over and over again in their mind, watching their Lord die, watching this man that meant so much to them die on the cross and now he's gone, he's dead, he's buried, there's there's no coming back. ...from this. He's, he's gone. And it must have been hell for them. Because I think that's what hell is. It's life without God's presence. And they must have felt hell there. And even though for those few days... ...while the Father's sovereign hand... ...was still in control of everything that was going on... They did not have God in the flesh, the living, breathing Messiah, Jesus Christ, next to them. And whatever future they had imagined must have become a terrifying nightmare because Jesus' presence was always the thing that had made the difference in those three years they'd been following them. So what hope did they have now? And I think, you know, this, this first Good Friday, as we look back a couple thousands of years, it meant a whole lot to a handful of, a handful of people. But for many people, it was just another Friday. It didn't mean much to them. It may have been a strange Friday accompanied by an earthquake and people raising from the dead and a huge curtain tearing in two and it getting dark in the middle of the day. Clearly strange. But not everybody knew that it was the Savior of the universe that died that day. Just like when I ran out screaming in my neighborhood, my neighbors didn't know what was going on. They didn't know who I was missing. They didn't feel it the way that I felt it. Now, these people, they may have, they may not have known Jesus, but they had heard rumors. And, and as we close out Matthew chapter 27 and make our way into chapter 28 today, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to chapter 28 of Matthew's gospel. We're going to cover the whole chapter today. But as we close out Matthew chapter 27, that's the picture. That's the situation. Jesus is dead. He's buried. He's in the tomb. He's gone. And maybe this is where you find yourself on this Easter morning, that perhaps you've been following Jesus for three days, three years, 30 years, I don't know, but you don't experience his presence with you. You feel like you're suffocating. You feel like I felt when I couldn't find my child. Maybe for some of you, you feel like you can't find Jesus. Jesus. I know I'm following him, I, I prayed the prayer, I've been doing the thing, I, I, I've been doing it all right, but I can't feel his presence, I can't experience him. Maybe that's where some of you are today, following Jesus but not experiencing his presence. If that is you today, brother or sister, you are stuck at the end of chapter 27, okay? Yeah, and perhaps there's another group of people here that maybe you just haven't really bought all the way into this repent of my sin and follow Jesus with my whole life thing. Right. Maybe you're just like, yeah, no, I'll come to church every now and then when my mom asks me to, uh, you know, I'll be here every now and then. And I think he might be God, but I, I like my life and I'm going to keep my life. I'm going to keep doing it my way. But maybe just maybe by God's grace, he has made you just self-aware enough to be planted in a church on Easter Sunday morning because you've realized all my striving all my chasing of the world's pleasures and the world's goods and, 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 and money and power and people, it's leaving me empty. And maybe God has brought you here today by his grace that Jesus is not with you. And if that's you, you're also stuck at the end of chapter 27. And if Matthew's gospel ended at chapter 27, it wouldn't be called good news. It wouldn't be the good news of Jesus Christ because that's not good news. Because Jesus is gone. He is dead. But how many people up under my voice right now praise God that we have chapter 28? Come on, how many of you want to get excited that we have a resurrected Jesus and we don't have to live life not experiencing his presence? We don't have to live life not knowing the truth about him. And for you, wherever you are, if you're on your couch or your car on Facebook, Or or you're here right now, you've got breath in your lungs, your heart is still beating, and there's still at least a couple more verses to be written in your story. Amen? Amen. It's not over today. So as we start looking at Matthew chapter 28, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, again, we're going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to start in the tomb. Join me in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know what, that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen. As he has said. Come. Come. See the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See? I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So right now in our story, we are at the tomb. And and just for clarity's sake, the stone was not rolled away from the tomb so Jesus could get out. The, The stone was rolled away from the tomb so we could look in. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. He walked through walls. He was the resurrected savior at this time. He could do anything. The stone was rolled away for us. The stone was rolled away for the women who, who went there to see. They're the ones, we're the ones who needed to see. And the first disciples that show up to this tomb on this first Easter morning, this early, before the sun rose Easter morning, weren't the disciples that we're used to hearing about. It was women. Depending on what gospel account you're looking at, both Marys were here, another Mary was there in another gospel account, Joanna was there in another gospel account, Salome was there in another gospel account, all women who may not have had notoriety in the Bible at the time, may not have had the perfect theology, but they had the perfect love for their perfect Savior. They had devotion for their Savior. We have something to learn here. And remember, Jesus said a couple days ago in our text, uh, in Matthew 26, he told the disciples, all of you will fall away from me this night, and it will be because of me. You will be scandalized because of me. And while the disciples didn't abandon their faith, they did abandon their Savior that night because of persecution. They didn't want what was coming, so they walked away. But the women were courageously faithful. The women were there at the crucifixion. The women were there at the burial. The women were there at the tomb the next morning, even before the sun came up. And I think we need to learn something from verse 1 right here. No matter what your station in life is, no matter how old or young you are... Do not let anything get in the way from your devotion to Jesus. Nothing at all should stop your devotion to Jesus. It doesn't matter if people think you're going to be crazy and you're going to a tomb before the sun rises because your love and your devotion to Jesus can never be compromised. How many teenagers in the room right now? Or younger than a teenager? A couple of people. John, the disciple, the apostle of love, was called when he was 14, 15, or 16 Don't wait till you grow up to follow Jesus. Don't wait till you grow up to find that there is a risen Savior who wants you and wants to use you. No matter if you think you have power or you have none. No matter if you're, you know, just a lowly servant or or whomever you might be. Don't let anything get in the way from your following Jesus. Dropping everything to follow Jesus because he wants to use you. No matter who you are, he wants to use you today. So we pick up verse 2. It's hard to visit graves it's hard to visit tombs and i was having a meeting with a with a friend of mine on thursday and her mother has passed away a few months ago we did her home going service and she was going to go visit her grave on thursday and the emotions that were all over her swirling inside of her it's a hard thing to do it's hard to visit the tomb of someone you love your mind gets flooded with memories but you know i'm not going to make any more memories with this person You talk to this person, but you know you're not going to get a response. You go to be with this person, but you know they're not there with you. It's hard to visit tombs. And the scene here that Matthew records is dripping with irony because he now shifts to the guards... And he says, these guards that were meant to guard the tomb of a dead man, the angel appears, they appear like dead men, because the one who was in the tomb has risen. So we we see this, this, this ironic story being woven together. The angel of the Lord here, he sits on this rock, he ignores the unbelieving men all together, speaks to the women and gives them a charge, and he says, don't be afraid, because you're here to seek Jesus. And I've told you. So he says, this is the exact same thing Jesus said to you in chapter 26 of Matthew's gospel. But he says, remember the things that Jesus has said to you where he says, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And and in verse 9 and 10, the contrast really comes in. And this moment has to be horrifying for everyone. Like, I'm not sure how many of us have ever encountered something like this, where a stone that was covering a grave, immovable by humanity, gets rolled away and an angel sitting on top of it just hanging out, right? Like, it's a pretty scary moment. And it's most scary for the guards because the guards, they were supposed to guard the body of this deceased man. And if you know anything about the Roman army, if you study anything about the Roman army, you were punished pretty harshly if you didn't perform your task. If you fell asleep on the job, Your skirt was lit on fire, right? And like, I I played baseball in college and we played some pranks on people, but nothing like that. Like, that is crazy. Your skirt's lit on fire. If you abandoned your post and they couldn't find you, do you know what the Roman army did? They went to your hometown and killed everyone. So they were horrified that the person they were supposed to be guarding isn't there anymore. So they're scared, they're running. The presence of God's power gives this all-encompassing fear to these guards. And also to the women. But the women are told twice, don't be afraid. And it says they leave the tomb with great fear and great joy. If you are following Jesus your fear is always going to be turned to joy. If you are following Jesus, even if you're going to a place where you expect to see something dead, if you are seeking Christ, you will only ever always find life. But if you are like these guards and you do not believe in the risen Savior, one day you're going to come face to face with his power and you will become like a dead person because his power is too much for us to handle. But for those who are following him, It always leads to life. In this miraculous moment, Jesus proved to these women the same thing that was proved to me when I grabbed my son. One person with their presence has power to change your life. The presence of a person has power to change your life. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed all of the people's lives at the tomb dramatically right? The guards were in fear for their life. They fell down when they saw the angel. The women were were saying, where is Jesus? If you tell me where he is, I'll, I'll go get him. But then the angel comforts them and says, go tell everybody else that he is not here. He's not dead anymore. He is risen. The resurrection changed everyone's life at the tomb. How does his resurrection change your life? If it changes everyone's life who witnessed it, How does it change your life today? That's the question that we have to answer because Jesus' resurrection means that whatever he says will happen will happen. And Jesus said that those who uh, would would come after him, that they will not be given into death. They will be given eternal life. That, That he taught that his sacrificial death would be paid as the ransom for the sins of many. That he was obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. But that God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because he couldn't be held by death. The apostle Paul tells us that death has lost its sting. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death. Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin leads to death. And the law has been fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have victory because of his resurrection. But if you are not following him, if you don't believe in this about him, then you have fear because of his resurrection. Because the tomb teaches us that fear will always be turned to joy for those who are following Jesus. But it also teaches us that for the unbeliever... The resurrected life will one day bring great and mighty fear. And like the soldiers fell as dead men, we, all of us, if we do not have the Lord Jesus Christ, his indwelt spirit in our heart, having repented and confessed and believed that he is the Lord, he is, he did die, was raised from the dead by God in three days and that we shall be saved. That day is going to be a very difficult day because every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess to the risen Christ, to the glory of God the Father. And we will become like those guards, spiritual dead men who fall down and say, we, we can't do anything. And I know you may be thinking like, this is Easter, Pastor. Would you, would you relax? Can you take it easy? But the good news is not good unless you know the bad news. The gospel is not as sweet as it can be if you know, unless you know the sourness of a life not yoked with Christ. So when you seek Jesus, even in those seasons and places where it feels like you're surrounded by death or where it feels like you felt when I lost my son for a moment, my heart's racing, I can't see a way forward, I don't know what to do, Christ is with you. Always. He is with you. You will never be alone. You will never be fully encompassed forever by fear. You will never be permanently overcome by fear and sadness. You will experience comfort and joy because of his resurrection, because of the faith that he is yours and you are his. So do you believe that he is the risen Christ? You have to answer for yourself, right? You have to answer. And I I want to encourage you to make that decision. After you've just heard an account of what happened at the tomb of the risen Christ, you have to make this decision. And not just today on Easter Sunday, right now in this moment. Right now in this moment, if you have not given your heart or your faith or your hope or your trust or your whole life over to Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. You don't need religion to find Jesus. All you need is an empty tomb to find Jesus. If you have not put your faith hope and trust in him right now as lord all you have to do is say i believe it i believe and i confess with my mouth that he is the lord and god raised him from the dead in three days and i'm repenting from my sins and i need you jesus and he will meet with you and you will have the best church service you've ever had in your whole life and it will have not a single thing to do with me hallelujah it will be jesus christ alone that you will have church with him right now so if you have not made that decision friends please make today the day And this is good news right now, right? Matthew could have ended the gospel right here, right now. He could have just said, period, exclamation point, the end. We're all done because this is great news. This is everything that we need, the resurrected Savior, the risen Christ. But he moves us from the tomb to the city as we pick up in verse 11. Let's read together here. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep And if, he comes, if this comes to the governor's ears we'll satisfy him and we'll keep you out of trouble so they took the money they did as they were directed and this story has been spread among Jews to this day so as we leave from the tomb to the city everybody leaves with the same news they all saw the same thing The women leave with the news that Jesus is risen. Do not be afraid. Let's go to Galilee. He's going to meet us there. They run and tell the disciples. And then there's this joyous moment between them and the disciples. And some of them are probably, they just can't believe it. Some of them are awestruck. They just don't know what to do with this news. And then the soldiers, they got the same news, but they don't run to their reporter. They don't run to their report. They don't run to the governor because they know they're going to get killed. They run to the high priest and they say, you need to fix this. That there is a problem you need to fix this so they rush off with great fear to tell this same news and in the city in this place in in community on Easter Sunday as you know there's a lot of community going on right uh, the sun comes up it's relatively warm and you know exactly what's going to go down in Kerry Circle right like it's already happening right it's great it was a big party already the sun came up and I was like all right Let's party. Are y'all coming to church? No? Okay, God bless you. Uh, But but come on, we're open every Sunday. Come on, we'd love to have you. Same thing, right? It's Passover. It's a celebration. Families in from out of town. There's busyness and business going on in the city. Lots of noise, lots of vitality, all kinds of stuff going on. But a story of deception is being woven right now. A story of deceiving people about the reality of Jesus is being woven right now when the chief priests say tell the the people that the disciples came and stole him. The one group of people gets the news about Jesus, the women, and they go and tell the truth to a small amount of people. The other group of people, the priests, get the news about the risen Jesus and they begin to tell a lie to the masses. Let me repeat that because I think we may have missed that one. The one group spreads truth to a few, while the other group spreads lies to the masses. The priests are paying off the guards, right? They're throwing money at what they consider to be a problem. How many of you ever thrown money at a problem? Come on, let's be honest. A couple people. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I know. Maybe you've heard it said that the only problems that money can solve are money problems. You can't pay off a lie. You can't pay off the truth about you. Money can only solve money problems, but this wasn't a money problem. This was a deception problem. This is the same problem that we face today. That as the whole world pumps money into telling a lie, so many people are believing this story going around the cities. As these stories are being woven together in our cities, wherever you came from today, it won't take fo- it won't take long for you to find somebody who's willing to lie to you, will it? All you gotta do is turn on the news. All you got to do is is go on social media. You'll find somebody ready to lie to you real quick. Pumping money into deception. But you can't fix the truth about Jesus with any amount of money. You can't make it go away with any amount of money. And and because we are so easily deceived, church, we got to pay attention. Because we're so good at deception, especially self-deception, we figured out how to how to spin rhetoric inside of ourselves to make us feel a certain way or how to believe certain narratives externally to make us feel a certain way. But you can't trump truth, right? You can't get rid of truth. Truth is truth and it is exclusive. Anything that comes into combat with truth cannot be true. If he is risen, he is the Christ. No other message that refutes that can be true. No other message about other saviors can be true if this is true. So we have a story that's been told to us. And we have to figure out what are we believing in. Later in the book of Acts, as this truth was preached to the disciples, and the disciples are going throughout the city, preaching and teaching about the resurrection of the Christ. They're saying, This is real, this has happened. They go to the temples, they go to the synagogues, they go in the streets, they're telling people about Jesus, and then they get brought into court, right? They catch a case because they say, You can't talk about this. And they say, Well, I, I don't know about you whether whether or not we're gonna talk about Jesus or not, that's between you and God. But as for us, we cannot but speak of that which we have seen and heard. We have seen it. We We know it to be true and there's a very smart man a man named Gamaliel he's a Pharisee and Pharisees usually get a bad rap we usually villainize them but this was a very smart man who said if this is of man or if this is a man-made plan it's gonna die anyway it's gonna foil out anyway but if this is of God you can't stop it there is nothing anyone can do to stop it and if you do oppose it you may be found opposing God So as we hear Gamaliel's response here, think about that in your own life. Think about some of the plans of men and women that we get hung up on. But if it's just man-made plans, it's going to go away anyway. If you could just be a little patient, not even for like weeks, but for like maybe 30 minutes. minutes—right? You don't have to respond to everything right away. If it's of man, it will fade away. If it's of God, you can't do anything to stop it anyway. Isn't that Freedom. Isn't that a freeing position to be in, to say whatever God wants to do, he's going to do. I might as well get on board, right? I might as well just say, yes, Lord, right? It's, it's freedom to me. So because we can't pay off truth, you can't twist the arm of truth. You can't make truth not be truth. You can't do that. You can tell all kinds of lies and get people to believe the lies, but it ultimately is still a lie it's deception to think that money and motivational speeches can create a culture built around what is probably one of the most pervasive things that we see in our communities and our cities today I'm just living out my truth right like no if your truth contradicts this truth yours is a lie bottom line right so as, as people are living this out the, the hard thing is one day the stories aren't gonna add up anymore one day Uh, it's all going to come crumbling down. One day, those short-term fixes that we keep running to, they're not going to fix anything anymore. They aren't fixing anything in the first place other than what you're feeling about it. One day, they're not going to satisfy you anymore. One day, those people, that man or that woman that just wants something from you, that said, oh, I'll never leave you, one day, they're going to leave. And all the lies are going to come to be true. And if it is not Jesus, your soul will be naked. So we have to understand what stories, what narratives are shaping what we say here. So, so as we look at the narrative shaping our lives, there's a lot of storytellers telling stories in our lives. Amen? amen? Some of you need to give a way heartier amen for that. I know you do, right? Because I'm your pastor and I know. Let's just do that one again, okay? There's a lot of storytellers telling stories in your life. Which narrative or which story shapes your life? One author says that that a city is more than a place in time. Uh, more than a place in a space, rather. It's more than just a place right here. It's a drama unfolding in time. And Lord Jesus, that is true about my city. That is true about this city. <laughs> Stories are told and things unfold. And the narrative and the rhetoric continues to, to move on and unfold. But truth always comes out, doesn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful that we're standing up here today. We're all talking about truth today. We're talking about what is actually true today. Because the reality is... The truths and lies in the first century are no different than the truths and lies being told today. There are still people telling you, here's what the Bible says, and this is the truth. In my opinion, it is irrefutable, and I will have a discussion with anybody who wants to talk about the reliability of the Bible. You can come next Tuesday night at 530 when we've got a meeting with all of our deacons and elders, and we'll talk to you about the truth of the Bible, and we won't even be mean about it. Because we don't have to because all we got to do is let the lion out of the cage right and and he will defend himself right so as we look at this though as we look at the truths and lies that were told then the primary lie we see is the chief priests say oh something's going to happen to me if this jesus is real really who he said he was so i need to throw a bunch of money at it to try to get it to go away that sounds like a lie that i see spun all over uh, our city our community our neighborhood our nation the world but the truth is still the truth church the same truth from the tomb and the city right here are the same truth for us today right now the truth is that Christ Jesus is the one person whose presence has the power to dramatically change your life forever yeah you can give God praise for that come on so we're going to move from the tomb to the city now we're going to go to the mountain in verse 16. Now, the 11 disciples, remember one of them betrayed Jesus and hung himself, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe or, or keep all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So now we make our way to the mountain and it's so fitting that Jesus invites the disciples back to Galilee back to the mountain likely Mount Tabor is where they went it's about 2,000 feet above sea level and if you're standing at Mount Tabor you can see all kinds of things that Jesus did you can see all the stories if you could just imagine the disciples making their way back into Galilee from Jerusalem can you imagine the stories that they were telling When, when even though Jesus had died I mean we all know what this feels like we've all been here in our own lives where we begin to memorialize somebody who's not with us and they're walking to Mount Tabor and they're saying oh do you do you remember right there where where Jesus healed a blind man do you do you remember that do you remember what what we felt like there do you remember uh, what that was like for us and he takes them back to the same place that he called them and is bringing them there as the same place where he's going to send them the same place where he's going to commission them so as we look at their stories just imagine with me for a moment The disciples 2,000 feet above the Sea of Galilee on Mount Tabor, and if we don't know our biblical geography, this doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but they're standing on top of this mountain, and they can look down and see the city of Bethsaida across the way, where Peter, Philip, and Andrew, that's their hometown, where they'll look and say, I remember, I remember when he said, follow me, I remember when I dropped my nets, And the city of Magdala, a small fishing village on the Sea of Galilee as well, where Mary Magdalene can say, that was the first man that ever saw me for who I truly was. And I'll be devoted to him for the rest of my life. Or maybe some of them say, oh, I can can see in the distance over there the sermon that changed my life. The sermon on the mount where Jesus preached the Beatitudes and told me how my life is supposed to look. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. And they're reminded about the miracles he performed. They're reminded now that they've heard the tomb, they've seen the story, the deception being woven together in the city. He brings them back to the mountain. Why? So he can send them out and so he can start his international eternal mission trip. And it's still going on today. We're here because they went there. fitting that he brings them back to the place where they started because I think it's fitting that God might take you back to the place where he started with you he might take you back to the place on this Easter Sunday where you said I had no idea how to move forward but God snatched me up or or for me just 15 years ago 16 years ago As I'm sitting in Oakland County Jail and I hear a whisper in my heart that says, I want you. So I go back to the moment and I remember the moment where this is truth that no one could ever refute in my life. Because when you know that you have passed from death into life, nothing can stop you from believing that. So he may take you back to those tombs where... You expect something to be in there, but it's been resurrected. He may take you back to those tombs where the dead things in your life need to be resurrected, need to be regenerated. He may take you back to those cities. He's definitely going to take us all out into our cities today where we are called to tell the truth about what actually happened, where we are called to share this truth about how our lives changed. But if your life hasn't changed, you can't tell the truth. But you can receive the truth today. Today, right here, right now, as you look back at the tombs, as you look back at the cities, as you look at the mountains and the valleys, Jesus is going to remind you, I was there all along. I was always with you, always looking out for you. Thank you for looking outside of yourself and looking at me. And if we look at the Savior, we'll remember. We'll remember all the places he's brought us from. As the worship team comes back up on stage right now, may we be reminded that the presence of this one person, this Jesus, has the power to change your life dramatically forever. So if you're not experiencing God's presence, please go into prayer, hit your knees, do something where you can say, Jesus, I'm done, I give up. You can't do it with enough spiritual disciplines. You can't do it with enough behavior modifications. Only Jesus can do it in your life. Let him. Invite him in, let him change your life because his presence has the power to change your life dramatically and he says behold I am with you always to the end of the age and it's not just that first moment where he called you because he's going to call you again and again and again and again and again and again and he's going to say I love you you don't have to go get your validation from anywhere else I love you you don't have to be approved or accepted by anyone else the God of heaven and earth approves and accepts of you he's going to say you are Mine and I get to do with you What I want and I'm going to lead you on mission I'm going to set you in front of people that you Never thought you would ever be in front of And if we continue to give our Hearts and lives and minds over to Jesus I promise you he'll Do something remarkable and the the Reality that we need to face right now As we wrap up for this Easter Sunday Is how many Of us Does God have our souls But not our lives That we have accepted him and received salvation, but we are not following him. That our life is still mine to do with, because I'm believing lies, because short-term fixes are all I can handle. The tomb is empty because he's alive. Our cities need to hear the true story of Jesus because he's with us, church, because he's alive. So take a deep breath, just like I did when I picked up my son who I thought was lost. And I said, oh, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that his presence has changed my life, that I can move forward now. And I love my son, but he's no Jesus. So today, you can take a deep breath and embrace him as he embraces you. And you can experience the power and presence of the only person with the ability to dramatically change your life forever so we're going to worship at his feet and then we're going to go running into the cities and we're going to tell them the truth about the risen savior we're going to tell them the truth about when my life was headed towards hell and he snatched me up and now i'm going to be with him forever We can tell that truth because that is the truth of those who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song called Remember. And if you've been with us on on last Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, and now Resurrection Sunday all week long, this has been our common theme. Jesus, help me to remember who you are. Help me to remember what you did. Help me to remember all you went through for me. Help me to remember celebrating the Lord's table with you to proclaim your death until you come again. Help me to remember the places that you have called me from so that you can reveal the places that you're leading me to. So we're gonna sing a new song and it's called Remember. It's a very simple song, but it's a powerful song that if you make it more than words on a screen, church, I promise you, you will feel the warmth of his embrace. I promise you, you will be able to experience his presence if you just get out of the way. You're standing in your own way between you and Jesus. All you got to do is move and say, I want you. I need you. I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved by your grace. Please embrace me today. Father in heaven, in the mighty name of Jesus, I say thank you. I praise you, Lord Jesus, that we can remember the moment that you snatched us up out of the muck and miry clay, that we can remember the moment that we have been moved from darkness into your marvelous light because you grabbed us. That for all of us that are here today on this easter sunday that we can say thank you and we can ask you to reveal to us again who you are and how beautiful you are and how much we need you we love you jesus we praise you jesus please by the power of the holy spirit of the living god cause us to remember cause us to remember in our minds and our hearts maybe that that time at bible camp 15 years ago. Cause us to remember in our minds and our hearts that time where we hit rock bottom and the only way to go is to look up and see you. Cause us to remember of maybe this moment right now, the first time where we heard what the disciples must have been feeling and the gospel came to life in my heart, not because of a pastor, not because of musicians and singers, but because of our risen King. May we remember who you are right now. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. You are worthy of all of our praise. So it is in your name, Jesus Christ, that we say amen and hallelujah. Let's give him praise today, church. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.